Hi, everybody. This is Armand DeMel with The Positive Mind here on WBAI 99.5 FM with Julian Joyello. Looking at an issue, just in case we uh, didn't tell you, the issue of betrayal. We started looking at betrayal yesterday, and we looked at it as a concept. What does it mean? What does it mean to be betrayed? And how many times do you look at being betrayed and you realize that the thing that betrayed you was what we ended our program was self-betrayal? Yes, part of what leads to being betrayed by others is in some way betraying yourself by selling out for a, a different thing. Now, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. If you think about it early on as children... Love or power? These are the opposing poles of a choice every child is compelled to make very early in its life. In a drama that sets it irrevocably on its path through life, love or power, what are you going to do? You're either going to be strong or you're going to be loved, one or the other. You're going to either be powerful and you're going to command love or you're going to be loved by others and protected. How does this, where do the the roots of betrayal and self-betrayal start in childhood? What happens to an infant when it learns that the love it craves from its parents is available only at the price of submission to their will? The only way you can get loved is if you give in to your parents. That's it. I mean, they're the big ones and they tell you, if you want to get my love, you got to do it my way. In paying the price... Every infant renounces its true autonomous self and instead it embarks on a search for power with which to manipulate the world around it in a quest for that love that it's missing. Get this idea? So the idea here is that you, are, you're, you're, you want to be loved because it, to be loved is to be protected, is to be safe. So we'll go all the way back to the roots, the roots of our ancestors. There are only two things in life that have to be considered. Eat and don't get eaten, right? Rule number one, you got to make sure you can be fed because you have to survive. Rule number two, you have to be careful that nobody eats you up. And every animal, every fern, every thing has to be concerned about that. Eat and don't get eaten. As an infant, when you're born, you're kind of powerless, So the question is, how am I going to survive? Well, I'm going to survive because that big thing over there is protecting me. Or maybe protecting me or might be protecting me, so I want them to protect me. What do I call this protection? I call it love. Love is the protection of your progeny. Love is looking down and saying, I want you to be alive and I am willing to do whatever I can to keep you alive. So our parents if they, quote, love us, protect us from what they perceive as danger. But remember, parents are wacky. What they perceive as danger may not be dangerous. They may say, don't trust anybody because they're going to steal your money. And then you go around through life not trusting anybody because you have to believe them. So what happens to an infant when it learns that the love it craves or the safety it craves from a parent 
is conditional on submission to their will. What happens? You have to give up your autonomy. Now, there are children I know who don't give up their autonomy. There are children I know who have crazy parents, but they still maintain their autonomy. There are some children I know whose parents were so crazy and so wrong that the kids had to say to themselves, I know they're wrong, so therefore I have to be myself. So it's almost a gift when you have somebody who's overtly nuts. See? But then there are those who believe that in order to be loved, you have to, you have to give them what they want and do it their way, and you have to submit your will and therefore submit your authentic self, your autonomous self. So instead, what the autonomous self, instead of this autonomy, you embark on a search for power with which to manipulate the world around it in a quest for that kind of love that you're looking for. That's difficult. Now, how does this relate to betrayal? Because with this, you betray yourself. Where is the self? The self was the original person who didn't have to give anything to get anything, just did. Once the fatal choice has been made, once the choice of believing you got to sell yourself for love is made, it masks the child's inner emptiness. It dulls its fears. It soothes its secret feelings of self-loathing. Abandoning yourself gets covered up by strokes and smiles and cookies and mashed potatoes. The need for power soon bars all access to its real emotions. It corrupts all of its relationships into one, relationships that are based on just one simple thing, mastery and domination. Why mastery and domination? And how does this relate to the betrayal of self? Mastery and domination is about is all about the betrayal of self because mastery is when someone wants to have mastery and they want to be dominant in life, they want to command love. I want to be dominant and you will be my submissive. So I want to be dominant and you will be my submissive and how will that happen? Hold on just a second, I'll tell you in a second how that'll happen. It'll happen faster than you could possibly imagine. And that is so great. I wish you could see this. Julian Joyello, the in amazing person. Wasn't that cute, Julian? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> While I was talking, a microphone fell down. <laughs> and it kind of... Fell down. <laughs> it fell down. It literally fell. And you didn't even notice it. They didn't notice it. But we got right through it. Hey, so listen. So, so, so what happens as, as an adult... As an adult now, you take a position. You say, I'm going to do one of two things. I'm going to be dominant or I'm going to be submissive. Dominant, I'll command people to love me. I'll be so strong that people will just kind of sidle up and say, oh, for your approval, I will do anything. So that's one way I'll get loved. The other way is to be submissive, is to say, I will sidle up to you for love, and you'll give me love, and I will feel good that way. Either way, there is no authentic self. Either way, you are now abandoning the self and you are betraying the original being. Does that make you a bad guy? No. No, it comes with the turf. It's the way it is. Once the fatal choice is made, it masks. It gets you away from your inner emptiness. 
it dulls your fears. You no longer feel afraid. Oh, I have love in my life, and that makes me feel safe. The power-oriented world around us, which puts a premium on strength and invulnerability, further confirms every child's pursuit for power. We have a world that, that puts a premium on strength. It says, be strong, accumulate money, have power, and this way you will be invulnerable, and therefore you no longer have to worry about whether you're going to get loved or not. Thus, all human destructiveness and evil are not innate. They're not. It's not a part of you. But it develops in a complex process of growth marked by the failure to maintain and keep your autonomy. In contrast, autonomy is a state of integration in which we live in full harmony with our feelings and our needs. So what autonomy is, is being who you are. And what, uh, and what it's not is trying to command everybody else to not see who you are. Now, the fear of our emotions, you know, we get so afraid of our emotions that we, we get to a point where the fear of these emotions alienate us, especially the men. They destroy a man's soul. They deprive him of his ability to love. They impose on him the need to oppress others, especially women. How do we keep a person, how do, how do we help a person find their way back to their autonomous self? I run, I love to work with men. Men are, as far as I'm concerned, well, I understand them being a man. And most men I know have been trapped into that one place which is trying to sell out, trying to get this kind of love by either commanding it or submitting it. Man's vulnerability, his biggest vulnerability is his emotions. He's afraid of his emotions. But the truth is man's vulnerability, his very vulnerability, his sensitivity is his greatest power. My son once asked me, about what it's like to be able to uh, to be really strong. And he said, are we able to ward off? He was very young, and he said, are you able to ward off everything like he was watching all these things, having shields and weapons and stuff like that? I said, no, the greatest power is when something, a spear goes into you and it passes out of you because you have no resistance to it. So therefore, no, nothing can hurt you. And he got this image in his mind, and I said, that's what feelings are like. Feelings come in you, and if you're blocking them out, they could really hurt you. But if you let them come in and go through, then you become a truly powerful person. This is Armand DeMille with Julian Joyella. We're looking at this issue of, we're looking at this issue of uh, betrayal. Now, if you think about this betrayal and you think about what happens to you as you grow up, you get, into a, you get into a group of friends and now you're in a group of friends and you're perpetuating this belief. The belief is that, the belief is that in order for me to uh, get loved, I'm going to get it now from my friends. And how am I going to get it from my friends is I'm going to be part of this group. And this is what starts when you go away from your family and you're now in grammar school or early school 
and then you get into high school, and then you get into young college, and then you get into this idea that you must be part of a group. Now, here I wanted to ask Julian about what he sees among the youth today when it comes to this idea of your vulnerability to betrayal within a group. Julian? Hey, um, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, a couple days ago, and we were just thinking, when you think back to middle school or high school, like this sort of teenage year, the thing you have in your life is that friend group. And the second that anything threatens the safety and the family that you've created in this group, it, it, it is the scariest kind of betrayal because that's like the most important thing to you at that time in your life. That It's like your other family and perhaps the more important family. So the second that somebody goes off without you, like a, it happened to me once where I had my closest group of friends, they all went to Canada and I'd been really wanting to go to Canada and they all went without me and didn't let me know until the last second once they were leaving and it, it was like it sounds stupid but it it was the simplest kind of betrayal for me and it, it struck me so hard for for a couple of days and it was like I felt like my family had just left me stranded you know and and I think in the teenage years in the in in youth we create this family that matters so much to us, and the simplest betrayal can happen right there. You know, I wonder, Julian, I wonder if that's part of today, because I remember in my youth, but then I was always been an independent, we had groups that were much looser. So we would be on protest lines, we would be fighting battles. Our group was everybody who resisted the government was part of the group. The generation, you know? yeah. Yeah, it was it was a generation mm -hmm. instead of a, a single group. Now, but I don't know because I didn't go to a go-away college and I'm sure fraternities and things like that would would be different. Do you think that this is age-specific or today-specific or do you think this is something that's always been there? I think, I'm sure it, it exists across time, but I think right now there's a very specific kind of generational ideal where if you're not part of a group you're alone you are you're in you're in the um you're in a tv series yes right you're in a tv series called carrie diaries carrie diaries yes. and in this series there's a group right yes there and, is yeah and they are specifically what you're talking about there's right it's this group that you've you've to see all the time you grow up with them you're with them and that's your family right roughly about 10 guys 10 people Probably about that, but yeah. About ten people. Everybody's identifiable, and everybody in this in this series is is a, is a character, right? Right. And now you play one of the characters, sure. And somebody in there gets in trouble in some way, and it's almost like it's a family. It shakes up the whole place. It it it's a quake to their foundation when when something comes to anybody in the group. And you're not allowed to tell us what's coming because. <laughs> You know it's coming because you've already oh, recorded it. <laughs> <laughs> Friday nights at uh, 6 o'clock? 8 p.m. Friday nights at 8 p.m. See Julian. 8 p.m. Channel 11. 11. So, 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 so people in their early, in their teenage years, they transfer their need from their parents to their peers. And that goes for a certain period of time. Yeah, I think I mean, we 
you know, when we're young teenagers, we're fighting against our parents so much that you want to find somewhere else to to live with your, you know, put your heart somewhere else. And we find that with our peers because you see them every day of the week during school and you you see them when you're not in school. And that's that's the center point of your life. I mean, in when you're young, that's that's it. That's your group and that's your family. To to um, there, there has been a couple of articles recently about uh, passing into general use near the end of a Second World War. There was one kind of thing, and then from the late fifties through the nineties, the culture coexisted, informed various movements: the struggle for civil rights, the parity for women and gay rights. It was part of a truly mass culture that you became part of, and I became part of. So we had these. You don't have these nowadays, do you? Mass culture, I think, there's a sort of, uh, I mean, it exists on the Internet, but it's never fully committed, I don't think. Right. I don't think it's quite, it's, it, it does exist, but sometimes it can be just you click something and it says you've joined some kind of group, but it's not real. It's not really, and you haven't gets, really it, joined that And it's, it's like Bitcoin. Bitcoin, right? But no, no, no. Story. And it could be deleted at any second. Mm-hmm. It could be deleted. You're in diet. You could be you part could, of something. You could be part of a group of 400 people that are all interested in a certain thing, and the group could be deleted in one day, and you'd never see them again. I know there was a thing with poker. You know, poker people were playing poker online, and then all of a sudden you're playing poker online, playing or even even watching it on TV, and the people who put this together became part of some kind of a scam, and boom, it disappeared. Gone. Now, here you were, one of these poker players every day who was going to join your family of poker players and try to come out on top and then just disappeared. Oh, I mean, there, this even happens on online uh, video games. There's a lot of video games called uh, MMORPGs where you just Wait, what join do they call them? Please, MMORPGs. Please teach us. Please. Massively multiplayer online role-playing games. MMORPG. MMORPG. I'm going to write this down. MMORPG. So these games are basically like a kind of virtual world, whatever. And they're really popular. Um, they were a little more popular maybe a couple years ago, but they're still very popular. And um, people spend, you know, 12 hours a day on this at least. They get home from work and they stay up all night and they play this and they have full groups of friends, full people get married in the game. I mean, this is this happens. And I have friends that have done this, you know. And it, these are your friends, but at the same time, like we're saying, this ephemeral thing happening, the second they delete their account or the second the servers go down, their family's gone. And the whole, and you start up with another game. Well, yeah, people do that. I mean, it's just like, oh, it's too addicting, I quit. And then all of a sudden you've lost like 40 friends. Do you, you have, actually do you have one in particular that you remember that went down that was a uh, a, a game? Well, the, the really popular one was World of Warcraft. That was a, that was the What main... about the World of Warcraft? It so disappeared? It, it's just not popular anymore, so nobody plays it, really. I mean, it used to be much the most played game in the world, right? But um, Were there ever any that just got deleted, got, the server went down, they just got lost? I wanted to know the emotional reactions to that, and I'd like to do some research on that. Maybe you could do that. You know? I mean, I'm sure there's been times where the servers have went down for a couple of days, and I remember uh, reading about how people were like going into withdrawal because they were like, I can't contact these people. Because you don't have any contact outside of the game. So the new, the new autonomous in place of the autonomous self is not your family, but your network. 
and the network that network. you could spin through your computers and and other instruments right you now right. are involved in a network and the betrayal would be for you to find out that that which you've put your time into is not real in fact it's it's more than not real it's bad yeah how could it be bad what could it be doing it could be a scam could be it could be a scam i mean there are people who would pretend to be women on on the game and they would have some relationship that's not real and then find out later that it was a man and that it was totally fabricated and it would go on for months there's an interesting movie out there isn't there called her you want to talk about it oh yeah her i mean her is her is amazing i it, it it's this movie. It's it came out about uh, a couple weeks ago, and it's with Joaquin Phoenix and uh, Scarlett Johansson by Spike Jones, and it's about. I've seen it twice because I was very interested by it, and it it takes place a couple decades in the future, some amount, and it's about a man who falls in love with his artificial intelligence computer, this voice in his ear that tells him his email, but also has a mind. And he falls in love with this, and it's not a person. And but it's a person it, but, who's synthesizing his needs and meeting all of his needs through a, a, an understanding of all of his preferences yeah. and things like that. Right. So, so she is like the perfect. She's perfect. She even challenges him. She even tells him, "You're full of bunk." You and know? he falls in love with her. And he now he's met somebody who makes him feel whole. And he, quote, falls in love. Quote. Quote, falls in love until at some point, well, we can't say. We would ruin the movie, wouldn't we? If we say what happens. Right? The whole thing with the machine gun and the uh, 47 oh, yeah, people dead. All, all, all the machine wanna, gun, yeah. We don't want to talk about that. <laughs> anyway, it's an interesting movie for you to see, and you want to comment about it. I would like to hear you and your comments about it as well very interesting hey as well as hearing your comments 2129572729 we're going to be taking your calls today so betrayal is about betrayal of self and when you ask yourself what am i doing to get the love that i want it's okay i mean i don't blame you but betray yourself you know people talk about you know do you, you want to own your feelings I say don't own your feelings, borrow them, rent them, you know, <laughs> try them on. If you don't like them, give them away, get rid of them. You know, the same thing with, with, uh, with this whole concept, the authentic self, the authentic self has to go through a lot of pain to get to the point where it could be separated. But if you don't want to be the victim, if you don't want to be somebody who is over and over again going through the pains of adulthood, you know, of having to deal with love after love after love. Then when you go into therapy, you don't want to be going into therapy talking about how to rebound from betrayal. That's not what we're interested in. We're not interested in the rebound. What we're interested in instead is how not to have this happen. And it is not by your choices. It is by you not betraying yourself, and we're going to talk about how you could do that. So there are two forms of therapy. One form of therapy is you go in and you feel damaged, and it's the end of a love relationship, and you go in and you see a therapist, and the therapist helps you recover and then tells you how to be cautious in the future. That's one. That's not my kind. 
The one I believe in is how to go back to the early times, the early times when you made the decision not to be yourself. And then let's find out the self you decided not to be. And then let's see what would be real. And you base your life on a feeling of authenticity, on a feeling of what is real, what is correct, what is right. And you get a feeling of inner peace, not fear. That's the idea, you know, whether we could do it every time or not. I don't know. I don't know how many people can make it to the end of that journey. It's a tough one. Let's take one of your calls. Hey, Doris, you're on the line. This is Armand DeMille. Hi. Hi there. How you doing, Armand? Good. Nice to hear from you. Thank you. Nice to hear from you as well. I listen to you quite often. And this issue of betrayal, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Very interesting question. You've been, you've, you've been at the receiving end of betrayal, I could tell. Um, I, I think I've been at both ends. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of years ago, um... You know, I I was in a relationship, and I think I was fearing, um, and and that's what's, I guess, confusing to me. I think I was hearing I didn't want to be in a relationship. I don't want to be in a relationship, but they were subtle, subtle uh, words or gestures, and in the hearing that when a point in time came where it was, uh, I guess emotionally to, to to be challenged in a situation um, when when someone died, we couldn't recover from it. And in hearing the "I don't want to be here and go do something else," I walked away from the situation. Sure. So so, so you're saying, Doris, you're saying at one point when you listened. You didn't want to hear it necessarily that the evidence was right there. So at that exactly. time when your needs yes. your needs were, I just want to be cared for. I just want somebody to hug me. I just want somebody to hold me. I don't want to know information. Don't, you know, it's all right. You don't even have to kiss me because your breath is bad. Just hold on to me. <laughs> you know? And, and, I was, and I wanted to do the same in the relationship as sure. well. Sure. So you, at the moment, your two kids who are soothing each other, and we call it love because that's the only way we can get away with it. And then at some point you say, okay, by the way, I wish you would brush your teeth. I wish you would, you know, I care, I want to get a little closer to you, or I don't, or maybe I've had enough. It is the illusion that we are trying to establish something solid and definite and long-term, and that leads us to the belief that there's a betrayal involved. Truth is, Doris, you were fine. You know, you got what you wanted. You got it as far as you wanted it to get. You got as much out of it. The prolonged pain over it is where the question is. Mm. You know, okay. now maybe you do want to be alone, Doris. Mm. Wow. <laughs> no, in actuality, I really don't. But it seems like, and it's so funny that, you know, like I said, when you're, when you're, you're thought, uh, this week, uh, today, is about betrayal. I was wondering, was I betrayed or did I betray the situation? Did I... Well, here's the real question. Did you betray yourself? And the answer is yes. Don't judge it. You know, betray is such a bad word because mm. it has such judgment built into it. 
But you, were you betraying yourself is where the real question comes. Betraying my heart, betraying my feelings. Betray, betraying yes, you were turning. You were taking immediate satisfaction in, in place of a longer goal. You wanted immediate satisfaction, and that's what happens to people. It's like that's why we all gain weight. You know, we're going to eat that sandwich now and forget about the consequences later. Have that cookie. <laughs> oh, man, wow. Doris, you're beautiful. Oh. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, you see, and I guess there is something about the fact that it is such a loaded word, betrayal. We have to take another word for that. I like yours, M-M-O-R-P-G, you know, or something like that. But because betrayed, you know, it sounds like you should get executed for that. There are people who purposely betray. Spies. You know, if you're a spy, your job is to betray the enemy, to act like you're one of them, to become part of that family, and that's your job. So betrayal is not always negative, because otherwise there would be no such profession. Who would be the next spy? I wonder if there are applications to apply for, you know, the New York Times spy wanted. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue with this interesting thought. And you could call us at 212-957-2729. We'll be right back. Just have a little faith in me 
That's Michael Frenti with Spearhead, strangely enough. Uh, special thanks to Michael for his comments and his enjoyment of our music. And um, talking about spearheading, Carol, this is Armand DeMille. Hi, you're on the air. Armand, how are you? Good, Carol. Nice to hear your voice again. Same here. Armand, you know, in my youth, I used to feel that I needed a relationship. And the older I, 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 I became, and even now, there's an ambivalence. It's like I equally need a relationship and I equally don't need one. And then also in terms of guilt, how do you deal with this if you realize that you have betrayed yourself and, and you know, as a result, you may have betrayed your partner too? How do you deal with that guilt? Well, okay, let's start with that, okay? Let's start with how do you deal with betraying yourself? Mm. Well, of course, you know, you betrayed yourself. You, you take the little kid, the little Carol, you hold her in your arms. You got a pillow handy, Carol? Where are, where are you now? I'm in the. I'm at work. You're at work. Is there, is there a little pillow anywhere around you? Yeah, I have a little cushion. Take that little cushion. I want you to hold it in your arms. Okay. Can you do that? I'm doing that right now. Okay. Now this is little Carol. This is the kid who sold her soul for the love of people who didn't really know how to love her. Right. Now look down at her. What do you want to say to her? What's the first thought that comes to you? What would you say to this little girl? Well, when I think about it, I tears are welling up and I feel like crying. I That's feel right. like I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. What are you sorry? You're saying I'm sorry what? Remember, you are that little girl. What difference could it be? So instead of being sorry, you feel those tears that you feel right now? Mm-hmm. I want you to stroke that girl's head. And instead of saying, I'm sorry of what I did to you, say, I'm sorry of what we had to go through. We. It's you and her had to go through this. And maybe from here on in, we won't have to sell ourselves anymore. And instead of... You know of what, Armand? I'm saying that, you see? But somehow my guilt is more toward the partners who I felt that I betrayed by, by making them think that I really wanted to be in a relationship when, in fact, I didn't, you know, want to be. So it's interesting the way that you hold on to a kind of belief. Now, do you think in some way any of your partners, that you picked all stupid people? Is that what you did? Pardon? You picked all stupid people? You found all people who had no intelligence? No, no, I didn't. No, you didn't. You chose pretty intelligent people, right? I did. I did, yeah. In fact, you kind of tended to choose very intelligent people. I did. That's so cool. That's what I could tell about you. And, and you, you chose people who could be even professors in school. Yes. How do I know? Because you are Armand. Because <laughs> I'm Armand. So you chose people who are pretty smart. 
Yes. And yes. these smart people, you don't think that they could tell, right? You don't think that they knew that in some way this whole thing wasn't real? Because they were a part of it. They chose you. Yeah, because, yes, they were a part of it. Sure, and now they have, each one of them, think about the one guy, the guy who was a teacher. Who was that? Was that a husband? Uh, No, none of them were were teachers, but um, uh, professionals, you know, all professionals, but no teachers. Pick one that's a professional, right? You just Mm -hmm. pick one and picture him holding the little boy in his arms. Holding what, sorry? Holding his little boy in his arms, his, his okay. inner child. Let's say he's holding a cushion right now. What would he be saying to the kid? Would he be saying, I'm sorry I let Carol do that to you? Or would he be saying, I'm sorry we did that? He would be saying, I'm sorry we did that. That's right. And we're all sorry we did that. We're all sorry, yes. So it's all about, it's all about there's no blame in here. There's no blame, Carol. Unless you need the blame to hang on to, there is no blame. Now, let me ask you one last question. Yes. How big is your bed? (laughs) Is it a queen-size bed? It's not big enough. In fact, I need to get a new bed. It's a single bed. I I need to get a a new bed. That's what I was asking you about. When are you going to get that bed? You know what, Armand? It's so funny. I know it's funny. Just today, I'm saying... I need to get a new bed. I know, I know, I know. So All of today, I, that has been on my mind. I need to get a new bed. Yes, and the next one you're going to get is a little bigger. Yes. That's right. So when are yes. you going to do that? How about after I'm 2 o'clock? Pardon? How about after 2 o'clock? After 2. Yes, because you can't after do I it. After I finish listening to you. That's right. You can't do it by the <laughs> you're listening. So Carol, I'm planning to do it before by by weekend. I'm on. I was saying that I have to. In fact, I was going. How big do you want? How big do you want the bid to be? Do you want it to be? Pardon? How big do you want it to be? Do you want it to be a single bed or do you want it to be a queen bed? I'm gonna get a queen bed. I thought so. That's <laughs> that's the person. There you go, Carol. Now I'm you're ready. Get a queen bed. Now you're ready. You see. Now you've come out of being the single bed, Carol, into the queen bed, Carol. And you know that the other day you were talking about asking yourself the question, am I ready? I am ready, Armand. Actually, I am ready. I hear you. Good. Lucky. I love you, Armand. I, lucky for the mattress, people. I love people. you. You have helped me so much. Thank you. My pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, you see, people hold up signs. She's about to buy a bed. She was thinking about bed. 212-957-2729 is our number. So the, the, there is that sense of shame that we have that goes into selling ourselves out. It does go there. How do you forgive yourself? Well, you forgive yourself because you remember you're on both sides of it. Both sides of it. It's not just you that was involved. Two one two nine five seven two seven two nine. I know. Somebody just got the wrong number. They were ordering a pizza. So, how do you? How could you be kinder to you? What do you have to do to forgive this child for having gone to this level? That becomes your question. Now, to those of you who believe that you really want to be with somebody else. And you, 
press the phone button? All right, we're here. Those of you who believe you want to be with somebody else like Carol does, get yourself a big bed anyway. You know, whether you have anybody there or not, just give yourself a little room in life. Let's say hello to Sydney. Hi, Sydney, you're on the air. This is Armand DeMille. Hi, man, how are you? Good. I'm calling because I don't know if fear to see out. Wait just a minute. Wait, Sydney, 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 What makes that happen? We just had a whole bunch of plans together, and we worked on these goals. Sydney, can you hear me speak? Yeah. Okay, I can't hear any word you're saying because every other word is chopped up. Are you on a speakerphone? Yeah. Okay, could you take it off speakerphone, please? Yeah, I hope you can hear me. Tell me if you can hear me. Okay, now, can you be in one spot, preferably, and try try saying it to me again? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Speaker oh, phones okay. don't work when you're on the radio here. Okay, thank you. Okay, I was in a relationship, and we had these goals. And we worked on these goals for a few years. And when they came to pass, he ended the relationship, and I just haven't been able to be in another relationship. Well, what were the goals that you had? Uh, to get a house. That was the major goal, to purchase a home. Yeah, so you, and, had, you had a goal with him to purchase a home, and you finally got the home, and then, and then suddenly he, he left. Yeah. Okay, so do you, do you have any sense that you were in this relationship to get a home more than you were in being in a relationship with him because obviously you were not reading the signals that he didn't want to be there. Yeah, that might be true. It was more so his goal to get the home. Yeah, and and he didn't see you as well. You see, most people don't see each other. Most people are blind to what the other person is saying. They don't want to hear it. They want to ignore it. You know, if a woman says she has a need, the husband wants to ignore it. If the husband says he has a need, the wife wants to ignore it. Ah, it'll pass. It'll pass. It'll pass. Like it does with children. Sometimes you have to hear. But lucky for you, Sydney, you got out of that relationship. But the thing is, I got out of it, but I don't think I've gotten past it. I keep pushing forward, but... I don't know. So are you angry? At times, but yeah. for the most part, no. Sometimes okay. I'm angry. But in overall, general, when no. in general in life, when you get angry, what do you do with it? Um, I normally scream and shout and whatever I'm angry with, deal with it and, you know, clear things up. So this one guy, the one guy that suddenly said, I don't want to be any more part of you. Can you imagine one angry thing you would say to him right now? Mm, I have to think about that. Think about that for a moment. How about the words, you coward? Wow. Big words, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want you to think of that right now and say the words, you coward. Wow, you coward. Does that fit home, what you're saying? Does that fit in with what you feel? Yeah, it yeah. does. Amazing, right? Yep. Yeah. 
Now I want you to say that as if you were saying it to him. And I'm going to give him a name for now. I'm going to call him Frank. Mm -hmm. Okay? So you say, you coward, Frank. You coward, Frank. We know that's not his real name. I know. But now I want you to say that and feel it. You coward, Frank. Wow, you coward, Frank. Say this. I was a coward, too. Get those two phrases together. Stay. Make sure you stay near the telephone, because I could hear you fading away. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, you got it. Yes. You're, you're a coward, and I'm a coward too. And that I could say that at the end of every relationship that ever existed, that the two people could look at each other and they could say, "Yeah, you were a coward, and I was a coward too." And then you take that and you move on to your next one, Sydney. It's wow. all right, because it's right. You're learning. Each time you learn a little better. Each time you learn a little more. Next time around, you'll do it better. I appreciate that. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for calling in. Thank you so very much. Sure. Bye. 212-957-2729. It becomes difficult, you know, it becomes difficult because you hear it, you see it, you feel it. And you do notice, you notice that that person didn't want to confront you, but you chose them because they didn't confront. You chose them for that very reason. And then you both buried stuff, and you buried it, and you buried it, and you buried it, and you got to that point, yeah, you're a coward. And I was a coward, too. What does a coward mean? I cowered. It means I didn't want to feel pain. I ducked the pain. I ducked the reality. 212-957-2729. Five women have called in today. Yesterday, it was five men. Susan, hi. This is Armand Demille. You're on the air. Hi. Good afternoon. Thank you for picking up the call. Um, I was born uh, to Holocaust survivors, and from day one that I can remember, it was always about we being grateful to have a cup of water when they didn't have nothing. The whole uh, young, uh, younger years were basically surrounded about hearing how bad life treated them, and there was no really nurturing from a parent to a child. So I grew up being the therapist to those two people. Your job was to make them feel better. That was I your was job a as a child. I had to make them feel better. Yeah, it's a tough job I, for a tough job for a two-year-old, you know. Right. So I feel like I was betrayed as for my parents because I learned to just be strong, to fix everybody's problem. When I had my own children, I never raised them to owe me anything. I just wanted to give them unconditional love. But now they're 27 years old and basically focusing on their own career. And How are your children that, doing, really? Susan, how are they doing? Which one are you worried about? Well, they're actually twins. Okay, so, and which one are you worried about? Uh, I worry about both of them because I feel that they're not really grounded enough to pursue their own goal. They're basically manipulated by my ex-husband, but my, you know, listening to your conversation with the other callers, I realized 
that the choices I made in my own life with my husband, with the two fiancés who never materialized, it's the same way that because I learned from a very young age to take care of the world, everybody gravitates to me. But when I need something, nobody's there. Well, you see, remember, keep in mind, you didn't want anybody to be there because you never wanted to be vulnerable to anybody. You were going to be strong. So you don't want to trust anybody. You trust somebody, they could hurt you. The way you are, Susan, nobody could really hurt you. You know what I mean? You're, 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 you've, got this, you've got this nice shield around you. So you've been taking care of yourself. Nothing could really hurt you unless you allow the door and you allow the bridge to come down. I don't blame you. I understand. You're a Sabra. You're going to be strong. You're going to be powerful. You know, you're going to do it. But it, aren't, you, aren't you tired? Exhausted. Exhausted, right? Don't you wish somebody could come along who's big enough? Of course. So that if you fell down, they could catch you? Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I hear. I understand. I understand. But what, you, what you're telling me, I'm, I, I was, I kind of realized myself, and I was trying to be aware of it and make more calculated choices with the men I, I meet and date, and um, it, and it's like a vicious cycle. And sure, they all gravitate me to me because of my whatever they see in me that they can benefit from. Well, you see, that's the idea. Now, you will only pick men who are little boys. Everybody's going to see you like mommy. You've run into that problem before, right? Right. Right. See, now that's the way you're selecting. You don't know you're selecting that, so you think you're selecting for sensitivity. And what you're really selecting for is you're making sure nobody strong enough comes into your life. Therefore, we can't do this on a relationship basis. You need to find a human that you could trust that is not a potential relationship lover or something like that. You need to find somebody who's a grown-up that you could trust, and that's hard to do. It's hard to do, especially from where you're coming from, because there are not many powerful people out there. There are most people of, you know, they, they're kind of looking for their own mommies. And you sound like a perfect mommy. You sound like you're the perfect person for like a dozen men to just fall all over and think you're going to take care of them. But that's what you don't want. Yeah. Well, even in my own circle of friends, and I, I lived and have lived in many circles, I don't see men like that. I think um, I'm actually more depressed now than before I picked up the phone. <laughs> sure. Well, this may be good. It may be depressed may mean that you're sliding into the real you. Depressed may mean you're coming off your power into the little Susan that's sitting in there. So how do you identify that person that's strong? That's not a, I find there is a little boy in every man. Is there a little girl inside you? You know, can, I was remember reading the... Can you, you know, find... Brad, can you find... Brad, Brad shows... Uh, readings and he talks a lot about the inner child i mean but i can i can picture it in my mind but i can't say that i'm connecting to her emotionally let me tell you something there is a woman who works with me her name is aura yamini morrison she's from uh, israel 
she has she's a specialist in working with this very very issue of finding that locating that inner self someday you may take a look ask for aura she's really amazing you know it sounds like you're a brave enough person to make a step to doing something a little different right you know something a little different what size bed do you have California King, the biggest one you can I was have. thinking about that. You need a smaller bed. You really well, do. I just knew you had the biggest kind of bed possible. and you, <laughs> you need a smaller bed. Go get yourself a queen-size bed so you can find somebody who you want to be close enough to that you don't mind leaning against them the rest of the time. Otherwise, you're going to get lost in the old California King. You know? Very interesting observation. How do I reach Mrs. Morrison? Uh, you, can, you can go through my website... Send me an email, and I'll get you in touch with her, okay? Thank you so much. Stay safe. It is my pleasure. Be safe. You're going to take care of me, too, Susan? No. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah automatically. It's just, New York. it's just automatic. I will be safe. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, Bye-bye. <laughs> this is Armand DeMille with you with The Positive Mind. Yes, you can send me an email, and I would love you to send me an email because I would love to receive your comments. Some stuff gets thrown, I've realized, some stuff gets thrown into uh, junk mail automatically, so I've been sorting through that. But if you go to my website, or you can go to WBAI.org to hear today's program, and you could also make a donation there at WBAI. Go to the website, thepositivemind.com, and if, uh, if those of you who needed to reach us for that project that we were doing, on on the written fantasy it's 212-757-4488 we're going to be back with you tuesday at 1 p.m my friends be back with you then without a doubt the single most important program on any media today is The Positive Mind with Armand DeMille on WBAI 99.5 FM. This man teaches. No, better than teaches, he manifests decency. He's brilliant and so perceptive that it's spooky at times. But there's nobody like him. Tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. and listen as I do to the thousands of archive programs available for free on the website, thepositivemind.com. I listen in Los Angeles, and so do a lot of my movie folk. We learn about what it is to be really human. You can support this University of Positivity by making a donation to the station and going to the website, wbai.org, and showing support for this remarkable entity. This is Sona Tatoyan, actor of the soon-to-be-released film Celestina, directed by Jose Rivera, the Academy Award-nominated screenwriter of The Motorcycle Diaries.